Black, Brown, and Bilingue is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. Hello and welcome to another episode of Black, Brown, and Bilingue. We are uh, just jumping for joy about our conversation today. Uh, we have a great guest with us. His name is Dr. Cristobal Salinas. And um, again, we're going to have a great conversation. But first, we want to tell you just a little bit about Dr. Salinas. Um, uh, he is an associate professor in educational leadership and research methodology um, uh, at Florida uh, Atlantic University. And his research promotes access and equality in higher education and explores the social and political context of education opportunities for historically marginalized communities. Dr. Salinas is the founder and editor-in-chief for the journal Committed to Social Change on Race and Ethnicity. He has published over 22 peer-reviewed articles, co-edited five books, and over 27 book chapters. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, um, Dr. Salinas. Thank you for the invite. It's, I'm excited to spend the next uh, hour with or as long as it takes with <laughs> So we're going to jump right into it. Um, and I think to really set the stage for this episode, um, you know, I really want to jump into the words that are used to describe our community, which, you know, there's the, the term Hispanic that gets tossed out around and um, Latino. Can you give people that distinction? Can you help us to differentiate between Hispanic and Latino? Yes. Uh, so that's, you know, a, a conversation that that people still struggle with, right? And what I mean struggle is, what is the difference? Because both of the, the terminology is used back and forward. So the way that I we understand it, the way that we use it, um, it's it, to challenge what the USA Census has done. Right. So Latino defines individuals of, of Mexic, uh, Mexico, uh, and Latin American Caribbean heritage living in the United States. Right. And includes people that, uh, countries that don't speak Spanish as well. Right. Uh, so, uh, if we think about Hispanic, it includes people from Spanish speaking countries, but excludes Brazil. Uh, French Guiana, Guyana, and Suriname and Belize. Uh, but Hispanic also includes other, like Spain and other Sp Spanish speaking countries and Africa, right? Uh, while Latino excludes, uh, 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 countries outside of the Americas. I just learned something. 
No, that's the easiest way to describe it, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and again, it's differentiated of how the USA census defined it. I think in, 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 in education settings and sociology, psychology, education, uh, history and geography, we differenti differentiate that term, uh, uh, to provide more context and be more descriptive of our communities. W would you argue? Um, just a quick follow up on that. Would you, would you argue that there is, uh, social, cultural, or political, um, context to those two words being used, right? And you know where we're headed, but, but let's start with, with just those two words between Hispanic and Latino. Is there a social, political, cultural, uh, significance placed on one word or the other? Um, you know, uh, that's a phenomenal question. And I get it ask that question often, right? And the way that I conceptualize, the way that I think about it is how terminology has create, creates hierarchy. How the, the United States has created this terminology to manipulate the data, right? Because when we create this terminology, it creates hierarchy. In the hierarchy, there has to be an oppressed and a privileged group. Right. So when we think about how the data is utilized, uh, we can, we're not a race, we're an ethnicity. Right. But I mean, it gets more complex than just that. So to answer your question, yes, I think there's a, a political meaning behind. Uh, I think there's a lot of, of, of politics involved and in how the United States government has continued to oppress uh, our communities, right? And I mean, we can look back uh, in the USA census in 1980, it, it was when the first time uh, the term Hispanic was used. And then in 2000 is when the term Latino was used, right? So again, it's been uh, um, added by the USA census, by the USA government. And one of the questions that we could ask uh, as well is, why are we not Latino American or Hispanic American, right? One of the things to think about, are we not American enough? But again, depends where you learn geography because this plays a significant role of how, let me ask you this question. How many continents are there? Seven. In some countries, we learn that there's six, right? Because we just count as the Americas as one. So we start thinking about how the United States don't see um, uh, us, um, including me, as American enough, right? And then the other thing to think about is how the data is collected, segregated. And then when we think, look at the USA census, we have, um, uh, uh, the races, right? And then we have ethnicity for Latino. And one of the questions that I ask, why are we not a race or why are we not Latin American, right? When we look at every other race, we have, we have, uh, uh, African-American, Asian-American, Native American, and we have white. Why don't we include white American? Because if we include the white American, then the population will be way smaller, right? So we include all white community, and that's when also we can include some of the Hispanic white, Hispanic non-white in this group. But every time we use Hispanic white or Hispanic non-white, we're still centering whiteness in this terminology. So it's getting very complex, but that's, so to answer your question, yes, there's a lot of political meaning behind and a lot of significance that uh, it's not often discussed in our communities. You know, wow, I had never 
previously thought about that terminology being included and how there really isn't. I've never seen it listed as Latino American or Hispanic American, but I have seen African American, Asian American. Um, so I think that's a really um, compelling argument. Wow. Thank, I, I also just learned something new. And, and to jump in on that, it's definitely not white American. It's just white. That if you are white, it is the, that is the definition, right? Central so I don't have to put American on it because that's the definition yeah. of American. It's expected. It's expected. But again, but if you ask when we engage with communities, you know, because my research, my work, and, and I do a lot of the training, a lot of workshops, when you engage with a white community, like way, but I have a, a, I have a cultural background, I have a history, I have an ethnicity. So what is it? Right. And then people related back to Germany, to, uh, whatever they come from, their, their home, their, their country of origin. But again, it's still in the USA census, they're American. Yeah. Right. So it's fascinating yeah. how, Still, is the larger community, but again, how skin color plays a significant role in these conversations. Mm-hmm. Now, you kind of, you know, you touched about your research. What intrigued you? How did you, um, what drew you to spending your time researching this topic? Like, how did this start for you? So, I think, you know, in, in terms of terminology, um, in particular with the term Latinx, right? So I think I have to give back background and context to who I am and where I come from. So I grew up in Mexico and I moved to the United States when I was in eighth grade, right? So I, I and I moved to Nebraska. Uh-huh. Um, and so I grew how? up in- How? How did you end up in Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> About that, yeah. I mean, it's home. I love my homestay. You know, it's Nebraska. It gave me so much. But I also understand that I grew up in, idea- in, an, idea- in an ideology of whiteness with an understanding that everything and everyone, every holiday, every culture, the curriculum is white, right? But I am not white. So that gives context of, you know, in Mexico, I grew up just being Mexicano, being Mexican. But when I moved to the United States and into Nebraska in particular, uh, you know, not only did I have to learn a new language, I have to make new friends, but also learn this new terminology on how we are categorized or socialized. And it's not like I, you want, I, I did not understand it at a time, you know, I was very young, but it is through my studies, my education, my background that I'm able to like conceptualize and understand and make meaning of it. But also working in Washington, D.C., I remember back in 2009 when there were conversations that the United States was going to make Latino Hispanic a race. Right. That was back in 2009. But of course, with the uh, uh, government uh, changing, uh, you know, everyone comes with their ideas, their own people. So things didn't happen. But uh, it's not, I, you know, through my work, I have to study and I learn what is the difference between Hispanic Latino. But I think also the other thing that I think about is how terminology, it's advancing, right? And when I, I, and I don't know if terminology is advancing. I think we are advancing terminology. We are moving forward terminology to catch up, to express our lived experiences, to catch up with our identities and who we are, right? So, um, and I didn't necessarily study that term- terminology, right? It just came to be part of my work with my studies as, uh, as, as I study Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latino, Latina communities. That's how I started within that in higher education in the United States. But in 2016, I believe, 
uh, I was called Latinx. I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Well, I sat in social media, but I, and I was at a conference and, 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 you know, people ask me, what are you pronounce? He, him, his. And then people changed my misgender by using Latinx. But at the time, I did not know what Latinx was, right? So I asked, and a lot of my colleagues did not know what he meant. Also other academics, other scholars. So uh, we would, there was like a new terminology to be inclusive of all uh, of people who do not identify with a gender binary. And, you know, the way that I came to understand it, and I still understand it, but my, my thinking has changed with my research. So that's how I started doing this research, because people were calling me Latinx, but I did not understand what it was. So I started doing research on that what it is, not the who it is. Because when we use it as an identity, it becomes, as a, when we label someone, it becomes an identity, right? Uh, so I was very triggered by what it meant and where is it rooted from? Why is it that we are using a terminology without knowing what it means? Uh, so that really has led me to do this research on the term Latinx and what it is. Uh, and this since 2016 with one of my colleagues at the Lozano. Lisa, can I, can I just, can I tell him for you? No. Or you wanted to tell him. Well, it's kind of my story to tell Maureen. All right. All right. You go ahead. I want to full disclosure say that I really struggle with this term and I struggle with it. Not because I don't think we need to be more inclusive. Like if you don't identify, if you're like non-binary, that's fine. What I struggle with the term Latinx is that I think it is an attempt to anglicize um, the language. I am actually more comfortable with using, and I've seen it, the arroba for like Latinos and Latinas, right? Or even like Latines, like E the E. To me, that X is just really difficult to pronounce. But I know that there's also the argument that it could be pronounced as Latinequis, right? Because if I were to, if I were to explain that concept to, I think of like my parents, they wouldn't know how to read that. They wouldn't know how to read Latinx. They would probably say Latinx or something. I don't know what they would say. And so I, I struggle with it because that, that piece, I think it's trying to anglicize it, but I also struggle with it because of people's reaction. If you don't use it, like I think people are very quick to cancel you. If you say Latinos or Latinas, but I, again, I'm not, I'm all for inclusivity. That's not the problem. It's just that it's not a part of my vocabulary yet. Kind of get there? Absolutely. But it's not something that is going to come out naturally. It feels forced. And I know what Maurice wants to tell you is that I was like, Latinx is trash. I know that's what you want to say, Maurice. I, I appreciate your honesty and your transparency, Lisette. In preparing to to talk with you today, Chris, we she was like, Latinx is trash. And so I was going to write a question. Latinx is trash. True or false? Please explain. 
So now that we've gone ahead and said it, can you please tell help us help us to understand? I I'm I am uh I am a Spanish language learner. Um and so I learned la mesa and I learned um el coche, you know, and and I learned o and I learned a and 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 it is what it is. Um I definitely understand the inclusivity piece, but can you speak some more to really where that word came from some of the things that you have found in your research and and um and what does it mean really in the time in which we are living yeah so uh first i have to you know Lisette, you're not the only one that has those feelings as i engage with people across the country and outside of the united, outside of the united states because i have the, it, it, it become a transnational conversation right i don't want to call it an issue because not an issue it's a reality a reality that we need terminology that for people that truly self-identify as latinx right uh, but again, it goes back to Latino, Hispanic, Latinx, Latinx, what, you know? Uh, so it's the battle of the terms, right? And, and we'll talk more about that. But I think be, before I engage on other components, things, you know, let me give you a, a little bit of context, you know, that of how we know or understand uh, Latinx. But it's um, been used since, or since the early 2000s. It just hasn't been documented well. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, um, it was first used that we able to document it by a Puerto Rican psychologist, uh, that was trying to challenge the Spanish language instead of saying los niños, las niñas, uh, they said lax niñex, right? With an X, uh, to challenge the Spanish language. But also in 1975, um, you know, that Chicana movement, that Chicana, uh, uh, feminist scholars, uh, Ana Castillo used Chicanisma at the beginning of Chicano or Chicanism, right, to disrupt and to challenge the Chicano movement, but also there's been artists that use the X, uh, uh, Mexican-American, uh, Chicanas, that use the X at the beginning, not at the end, right? And then fast forward to 2014, that is when the term Latinx started to get a lot of attention. It was used in one article, Latinx, but not referring to uh, people that self-identify with, uh, that do not identify with the gender binary. It was just to really think about the excess that cross borders of how, uh, we need to analyze and think about a study and work on Latino, Latinas communities and how they have made an impact in the United States from different perspectives. But also in 2014, the Chicano CAC student organization at Columbia University in New York was one of the first ones, uh, student organizations and college campuses that changed their name to Chicanex, the Chicano to Chicanex CAC student organization, followed by Latino Latinx student organization. And of course, in 2017, we see a large, a larger number of blogs, academic, academic journals that write about what should we use Latinx or what shouldn't we use Latinx. But, uh, all of this has, uh, it goes back to their personal experiences, their personal beliefs, values, which is important. But I think what, um, what it's more important is to really ask people how they self-identify, right? And I think that's one of the pieces that my work has done uh, in my latest work that was published in 2020. Uh, you know, that was the first research that asked students, how do you self-identify? Uh, but so I'll get, uh, there's so much information and I'll try to give you a, a brief overview, right? So there's various arguments to why we use Latinx. And part of this conversation is also, uh, 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 and Lisette, this goes back, uh, this goes back to, goes back to how we understand or how we pronounce it, right? And, and Maurice, you also talked about the Spanish. So 
linguistics, it's also involved in this. One of the questions that I want to ask you before I give you all this context, how do you say Latino, Latina in English? Latino, Latina. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, I mean, that's all I'm yeah, la Latino. Uh, well, yes. Uh, so by, so again, you know, when I ask this question, people will say Latino, Latina or Latinx. Well, for, you know, well, congrats. All of us are, if you use Latino, Latina, uh, you're a Spanglish speaker, right? Because uh, you use that terminology. But if we look at the USA census, Latino, right? By the USA government, Latino is the gender neutral in English form. But if we look at old English, it's Latin or Latin American, right? But again, it goes back to the argument, why don't we use American anymore? Uh, and also we don't use Latin because it is a language too. So there's a lot of, 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 of things to, to the unpack. So the other thing that I think that when we look at the literature review is that the Latinx is grounded in the Spanish language because we know that the Spanish is a gender language. However, the X works both in English and Spanish, and we have done a beautiful job in making the arguments. But what we haven't done in argument is how the X works in different languages or in countries that speak other languages. Like, for example, Belize, Brazil, mm -hmm. uh, Portuguese, French Juana, Guayana, and Suriname. In particular, in Portuguese, the X is pronounced in eight different ways, right? So when we think about Hispanic wow. and the term Latinx, in, in a sense, from the linguistics perspective, they do the same. They aim to erase people from Belize, Brazil, French Juana, Guyana, and Suriname. So it might be geographically inclusive, but linguistically or phonetically exclusive. So that's one, person, one one thing to think about, right? Yes. And, and and that was my initial gripe against it is that... Well, you said, know, I, have more, I have more for you. Ooh, okay, come on. <laughs> so, you know, and then we start seeing people capitalizing the X at the end. And then we, one of the, if you look at, or like in the 2017s, 2018s, uh, people will start asking, how do you say, how do you say Latinx? And plural, do you add the X or do you not? Is it Latin X or Latin X? Like, is it an S or no S to add the plural? So that was, now you've seen people adding the S, but before we were not adding the S, right? And then, so the other argument that we have seen in academia is that the Latin X, the X in Latin X is grounded on indigenous, it's indigenous communities. But every time we indigenize the terminology Latin X, it is Mexicanized. Because it's always connected to Mexican indigenous communities such as the Aztlán, Awatl, and Zapotec. But we have to remember also that in Latin America, there are 37 language families, 448 languages, and 70 of them are unclassified. But going back to the indigenous communities, there are indigenous communities that do not use the X in their alphabet, in their language. While they can pronounce the sound, they don't, they don't have it. So, for example, we have the Quechua, Garifuna, Purepecha. They don't use the X in there. And, and there's more. There's more indigenous communities. So when I, I engage with people that uh, self-identify or are from those communities and or their um, ancestors are from those communities, they're like, don't call me Latinx because my indigenous communities don't have... I have an X. X. Yeah. So that was another, like, like super... Like, like what we've been using it wrong. And I critique my own work as in my earlier work. I, we make the argument how the X is grounded in indigenous communities because, uh, you know, the, um, 
Nahuatl language uses the X a lot. In, in some Nahuatl communities in Mexico, we have muchas. And muchas is spelled M-U-X-E-S. And, you know, you see the X again, but also muchas is an individual. It's an honor to have a muchas, a third gender, right? Um, and it is a uh, individual that is born as a man, but it dresses as a woman. But it is not a man or a woman. It is a muchas. And it's an honor to have them in these communities. But in this new research that I have, it contradicts all of that, right? Because I think we were, we have Mexicanized the literature review a lot. So that challenges my, I critique my own work, but also hopefully my work critiques and challenges others to think differently. The other thing that plays a significant role that is inclusive of all, but who is all? So when we look at the literature review, people say it's gender, is to gender neutralize, is to, of course, to engender the Spanish language, is inclusive of the LGBTQ, is uh, inclusive of transgender, queer folk, gender neutrality, gender inclusivity, gender queer, non-normative gender, non-conformity gender, gender non-specific, gender free, gender neutral, non-binary, gender queer, gender fluid, and trans, right? So again, you can see the terminology, it, it, it's evolving, it's changing, but when I really think about Latinx, then I think that we are confused on gender and, sex, and uh, sexual identity based on the, in, uh, on this terminology. Because as I was, as I engage in this research and I do this research, you know, I, we need to think about how is Latinx misgendering or gendering people? Because I have, you know, engaged and the research tell us that there's trans people who do identify with a gender. We have Latina transgender women and Latino transgender men. And they're saying, do not call me Latinx because I have, I'm a Latina or I'm a Latino. But also, this is a big piece that we also have transgender non-binary people. And they say, yeah, I am Latinx, right? So this plays a significant role and we have to start thinking, of who are we inclusive of and how are we using that language? My mind right now is, um, it's going through a lot because I think, so I, I was just, I was just giving a, a, a PD and I was doing this, uh, thing called, uh, circles of identity. And, and in these six circles around your name, you know, you put these different identities and so on two of mine one was cisgender male the other one was black and i made the comment that i would not change either of those i am a black male i said apart from all of the the stereotyping that happens of black men and all of the negative uh, uh um you know data that's connected to that i would not change that so when you when i hear you say a transgender latina who says, no, part of my identity, I'm proud to be Latina. And now you've taken that from me by attempting to say Latinx. By neutralizing it, more or less, right? And, and so in our attempt to, and, and we know language is dynamic, and that's why I'm glad, um, Dr. Salinas, that you talk about the linguistics um, perspective. And I think language is very dynamic and I think it was a very good attempt in trying to be more inclusive. But as your research really shows is that we still have to keep in mind that there are people that are still not being inclusive or included 
Yeah. So yeah, th- there's a lot of, of ways that we can think and analyze it. You know, one of the other things that I think about it is well, the terminology or this term in particular, you know, like like Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, they can create a lot of tendencies between our communities, but they also do something beautiful. They create unity, right? Because we've been divided and we also connect to this terminology at one point because we know that we are part of this larger community, right? So we learn to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing to mention to this is, you know, one and Marie, you, you mentioned your self-identified as gender black male. One of the things that I think about is we as a Latino, Latina, Latinx community and other terminology, because I'll give you more, there's more how people self-identify it. Um, we have so much to learn from that black African-American community because this terminology change is nothing new. The black community has been through it, right? Other communities have been through it. So we have a lot to learn from your communities, your community on, on, on from this, right? And I think that but we're still struggling on what it means because it's most recent. But one of the things that I think about is it's so painful because for people when people get offended because it's talking about people's identities, right? The other way, you know, it's really easy to, to this, I think, I think that's kind of cheesy, like the, the example that I'm going to provide you. Probably not the best example, but it's so simple. People get offended when we misspells, misspell or mispronounce their names, mm-hmm. right? I got my PhD from Iowa State. And being at Iowa State, people, conf- I don't know why, but people confuse Iowa and Ohio a lot. <laughs> and I know people from Iowa will get offended if they said Ohio, right? So if the people get offended by uh, mispronouncing their states, I mean, it, it's fair and they should be, people get, should get angry and upset because we're misgendering them, right? So that's one thing. But the other thing that I think about to, to add and complicate this conversation, uh, you know, uh, and uh, Lisette, you may, you talked a little bit about the uh, USA centricity, right? Mm-hmm. So that is something else that it comes in, in the research, you know, that we think about it, how it, it has become a USA a central term that uh, because in, in Spanish speaking countries, we have Latine and we've been using Latine since the 1980s, 1970s. So it's nothing new for a, for a lot of our communities, but rather we are seeing Latinx as a USA centric term. As I travel and I collect data and, and engage on research outside of the United States, people did not relate it to Latinx. They did not know how to pronounce it. Rather, they self-identified or use the terminology with Latine, Latinu, or Latini, right? So the alteration of the other vowels. But I wonder that in research tell us, and you know, participant Latino, Latino from the research of Latino um, uh, students, one of them said to me, "I don't understand why we're trying to use a terminology. Why why people are trying to use this term when we, as a community, don't even know what it means, right?" And yeah, and you know, I will say that's a, also a big, cons- not concern, but something that, like, within my circle, like, people my age really were like, what does that even mean? Like, when I asked, like, do I identify as Latinx? They're like, what? What is that term? And um, I wondered to myself, I'll be honest, is it, is it like an elitist thing or is it like a classist thing? Is it because... A lot of other people that I know and grew up with, they're like, I've never heard that word before. What is it? What are you talking about? It, it, it reminds me of uh, one time I had somebody 
attempt to correct somebody when they'd called me black. And they said, um, are you kidding me? It's African-American. And I was like, no, it's not. I'm black. <laughs> I'm a black American. And, and, and so again, I think it, it, it goes back to just that, that how do we, how, how do you identify? And I, and I guess, I guess the problem though is, is that it's also a word that is used to talk about an entire community, right? And so it can't all be personal. So, so what do we, how do we safely, right, talk about community, um, and, and try to avoid that offense that you've referenced, you know? Yeah, there's so much. And as I hear you both speak, like I could go anyway, right? Uh, but let me start with the elitist, because I think that's also important in, in relationship to the USA center term. Well, we know that this terminology is mostly used in, um, in higher education spaces with highly educated people, right? Uh, and as I went to collect data outside of the United States, people that use Latine, Latino, Latinu were also connected to higher education institutions, universities and colleges. So there's something to say about, yes, this terminology is often and mostly used within uh, people, communities that have access to uh, higher education but also is used a lot within activist communities. And that's another argument. Who came up with the term for us? Activist communities and or higher education, right? And I haven't done enough work on that, uh, but that's another conversation that people are, are or have engaged. But I think that it's so important to this is in how we engage with people and someone that who should be in this conversation, uh, should be centered in this conversation, should be... Uh, Boricuas, Puerto Ricanos, all right? Because when I was collecting on, uh, and for various reasons, right? Because as territory of the United States, by law, they're required to speak and learn both languages in the K-12, in their educational system. You know, they, their, uh, their law says that they, that Spanish and English is their native, their, their languages. Well, in the United States, we don't have an official language, right? Well, they do. So I think that's something else to think about how they should be center in this conversation to make meaning of how they use it and understand it. But the, when I was collecting data for research and I was in Puerto Rico, I asked a historian and I asked, have you heard the term Latinx? And her response was, here we go again. The United States coming to contaminate our language, just like you all have contaminated our land and our politics. So I stopped asking questions about Latinx, right? But it was so important, so such, it was so important for me because it came, it, you know, it came, it gave me an understanding that not everyone wants to engage in these conversations, right? Because they identify in one way. Yes. And, and so I think ultimately for just me, People can identify. I have no problem with with people identifying as Latinx. My bigger issue is when I'm being told to identify as Latinx when I go to describe myself, or uh, if they treat me as if I'm not inclusive or that I'm closed minded. When that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just not a word that is heavily ingrained in my um, vocabulary. Yeah, and that's something else that we know from the research, right? That. Mm -hmm. People feel that they're being policed if they don't use this terminology, mm -hmm. right? In some spaces, they said, I have to use this terminology or Latinx in this space 
but I'll, uh, but I don't understand it. I don't identify with that terminology. I know what it aims to do, but I am not Latinx. Right? I want to use it for people that self-identify for Latinx, but I am not. So why are they calling me Latinx? But they still feel policed uh, in some spaces. So I think that's also something important to to really understand of how this 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 evolves or engages. But this is the other thing that we have to to that we haven't talked about. And I have a, a, a paper with my colleague Adel Lozano that's coming out this summer, and we talk about the history of the letter X. Mm. Right, because I think that also plays a significant role of how one letter is changing our understandings or our or our terminology, uh, and or I don't want to say changing, but also has created uh, a way for many of our family members, friends, colleagues that find a terminology that can self-identify with, right? Because it also does the same. So, you want to hear about that? Yes. Yeah, let, let me hold. On, let me just say one thing because it, it goes right with what you talked about with the policing. So, in terms of the policing, I've had to catch myself because on social media, on Facebook, I have mostly like family and friends, and there I use the word Latino, Latina, no big deal. When I'm on Twitter, where it's mostly educational folks, for me at least, I do use Latinx. And I had to stop worries. I'm being out. <laughs> I am being transparent because that's what we are on black, brown, and bilingue, right? Because I know I'm not alone in this. And I do have pause when I go to type Latina or Latino on Twitter versus like it, it's it's very different. And I think that that classism or that elitism that is connected to it is like worth noting because if we're just sitting in our own spaces talking about this and not really taking it down, I don't say taking it down to like everyday people level, but for lack of a better word, then we're not being, we're not, to me, it feels like we're not being inclusive. We're just giving ourselves a pat on the back for developing this terminology to show that we are inclusive. Ivory tower language. Uh, that that's yeah, it, it, yeah. so I, I just wanted to jump in real quick because i definitely want to hear more from you chris about the history of the letter x i i will just jump in and say when i think about it again coming from a a black history perspective malcolm. right i go to malcolm uh, in fact my my brother is in the nation of islam and so he's henry 3x because he was the third henry at the mosque and and that x says listen my name is not really McDavid. Not if you go back generations, right? McDavid was the name that that uh, of a slave owner of my great 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 grandfather on my daddy's side, um, and and so I think instantly of that. But but I wanted to throw that in there, and maybe you'll speak more to that. Uh, I mean, there's so much, right? We can stay here. 24 hours if we all wanted to. But let me tell you really quick what my colleague uh, Adele Sander and I uh, discovered when we think about the history of the letter X. It was formed when medieval Spanish scholars were translating the Arabic word al-shan, which in English means the thing, right? But it can also signify the unknown thing or the unknown something. The word that al-shan uh, the thing appears throughout early mathematics in the 10th cen- century, um, ni- 901 AD, 
uh, and so medieval scholars were not able to translate the word, the thing, Sean, because the Arabic letter SH cannot be redundant into Spanish, as the Spanish language does not have the sound SH, right? So by convention, medieval Spanish scholars borrow the, the, uh, the CK sound from the classical Greek alphabet in the form of the letter Chi, pronounced, you know, that, that, that looks like an X, Chi, okay? Uh, medieval Spanish scholars simply replace the Greek letter Chi to the letter X because it looks similar. Uh, therefore, the letter, letter X is rooted in the Arabic and Greek languages and is a symbol of the unknown. But also, yeah, we, the a X carries sizable assumptions for being inclusive in the term Latinx. Yeah, the X is also connects to racism during slavery and discrimination towards non-Christians. We know the African slaves were not allowed to learn to read and write. Therefore, they use the X as the identifier, as the identifier for our African, uh, for, um, African slaves during the beginning of the colonial America. The X can be a reminder of how African ancestors were enslaved, kidnapped, raped, chained, and transported to Latin America. But furthermore, Christianity was introduced to African slaves in an attempt to indoctrinate them into sub submissiveness. Subsequently, that's when, during the 1950s, um, a black activist formerly known as Malcolm Little reclaimed the X when he changed his name to Malcolm X, who is from Omaha, Nebraska, again, Nebraska connection here, uh, <laughs> a way to cast off his enslaver's last name and replace, replace it with, with an X, right? To represent his unknown African name. But again, with this in mind, we know that uh, Christianity also has a relationship with the letter X. Uh, the X has been using Christianity to represent Christ. In the New Testament, in the Greek language, uh, the word Christ, uh, the word Christ begins with an X, okay, in Greek, right? But furthermore, we use in today's society, in today's times, the X in Christmas, Xmas, right? Or other Christmas or other Christian church signs suggest that it has becoming more accepted of the representation of Christ, the X. So again, the X has a lot of relationship to also to Christianity. In another perspective, the X has played, you know, a bigger political role in the status of women in the United States, because we also have seen in activist and academic spaces since the 1971, how the term women X has been used to be inclusive of non-cisgender women and women of color. But I mean, there's other alterations, right? And so on. But again, the X has a long history of uh, within language. But also when we think about the way that I think about it now, how the X is the unknown thing, I don't want to say that people don't, don't know their, their gender. I think it creates a space for people that say, I am not a male. I'm, uh, uh, I don't identify with that gender binary, men or women, right? Or rather, it creates a new space for them or a new terminology to self-identify with. Mm. And we know this also that uh, in the United States, there are we have different states that use the X uh, to for for people for communities to change their gender, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which I can go on all of that. So yeah, I hope that gives you more context of the letter X in, in the yeah, United that States. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I thought about math, solve for the unknown, solve for X. Um, 
So where do you think we can go from here? Like, do you see that this is going to continue to evolve? Because let me tell you, when you talked about uh, the indigenous and how this really centralizes like the Mexican indigenous people, um, you gave me a lot to think about. So in your opinion, where are we headed? Is Do you feel in your uh, research that you... Is that an X going to stick or is it going to change it to something else or should it change? You know, I, let me tell you what, uh, you know, why I don't use the term Latinx for me and why I use it in my work, right? So when we use the term Latinx in research as a qualifier, we're making gen- generalizations, right? Then I fear that if we continue to use the X for everyone instead of the specific gender pronoun, we, with which participants or community members self-identify with, then we will soon run into the same problem that the X will simply serve as a substitute for the O in Latino, right? And consequently, it will lose its significance, meaning as a term that was created, claimed, colonized, embodied, performed to disrupt the colonial idea of a men and women gender binary and language uh, hierarchies. The X in Latinx also carries some challenges, just like Latina or Latino have. Right. So there's a lot, a lot to disrupt and we cannot generalize these communities. But one of the things that I think about is how, how I don't use it for me because I'm already privileged. I have a term that I self identify with, but I do use that term and I don't use it for me and on our communities that I know they don't, don't identify or people that don't identify, that identify with a men or women gender binary because we are already privileged with a terminology and I don't want to take the terminology and place it in cis and people that are already privileged and take this term that was not created for us. But I do use it when people self-identify with a term Latinx uh, or with that, that uh, a, a race gender identity because it is a term that they can finally, finally self-identify with, right? Because we know that we have colleagues, friends, family members that don't identify with a gender binary. So that when you address, sorry, can I ask you this? So when you address a group, let's say, let's say you're giving a speech, you're presenting your, how do you say like for the Latinx people or that are here, like how would you address an audience? Or when you speak of the community as a whole, do you refer to it as Latinx? Just use Hispanic. Uh, I mean Hispanic because Hispanic her panic, their panic. I am no. I know I'm people's panics, but I don't want to reinforce that. Their <laughs> panic, right. So, but one of the things that I do use, right? One of the things in my work, uh, I do in my new work. I again comes from academics, right? But I'll give you a little history. It's so powerful as I as I do more research on this. I use the term Latin asterisks. If you do a search on Latin asterisks, right, it's gonna show up everything with Latin prefix in the end. So Latino, Latina, Latina, Latin American, and so on. So just like trans asterisks, right? It brings, so it, it, it stops the, it allows, it allows us for us to stop and reflect and think and consider the various ways in which Latin American people origin diaspora in the United States may identify. But Latin asterisks, you don't pronounce the asterisks, right? It's a non-gender identifying itself. It creates a space that encompasses gender fluidity and identity labels that already exist 
as well for all of those yet to be included in the mainstream vocabulary. By really Latin asterisk invites people to self-identify with a properly term that, uh, uh, how they want to self-identify or new and emerging terms, right? That gives voice to this, to our communities. So Latin asterisk also allows you to say any of those terminology, right? Latino, Latina, Latinx. When I speak in, in, in the audience, I say Latino because I self-identify as Latino. Uh, but I also use Latin American a lot to emphasize that we are as American as anyone, everyone else, right? But in my writing, when, and when uh, referring to a, uh, the community as a whole and, and so on, I use Latin asterisks to be more inclusive of everyone that self-identifies within, within all this terminology. But the other thing to this is if you do hashtag Latin asterisks, it's not going to be catch up. So really that the asterisk, it is to stop and to make us think, what are we using all this other terminology? What are we calling people Latinx, Latina, Latino, when we don't know, when we're making assumptions? So, right. in, so in research and educational systems, and even in, 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 in when we collect data, we need to ask people, how do you self-identify? Right? So when people put like she, hers, her, what is hurts. That? She, her, hurts. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start putting Latina. Correct. Right. Because we make the assumption that, um, that those pronouns go with Latina. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, and then he, him, his with Latino. Mm -hmm. They, they, them, we can be Latinx, Latine, Latini, Latinu. Is it right? But the thing is, with that example itself, it involves to combine Spanish and English. Again, the two mainstream term language that we use in the Americas. So, pregunta para ti. Si estás presentando en español, dices la comunidad latina o la comunidad latin asterisk? <laughs> uh, comunidad latina. Okay. And, and how far does it go, right? Like la cuchara, la mesa. Like, how far does this extend? And I know that sounds kind of, that those are bad examples, but we, you know, so usan los artículos en, en español. Eh, la, so what do, how far does it go? I guess is my question. I mean, I think it goes back to how far do we want it to go, right? Because I think one, you know, people, I have seen work that um, people are changing, right? Uh, uh, so really, this terminology disrupts binary notions of gender and it's, it's, you know, in, in, in nouns for individuals who do not identify with a gender, uh, with a women binary women. But one of the things that I do, do know is that considering the language has history and history should not be deleted. We must remember that this terminology exists, exists for us. We don't exist for them. Right, mm -hmm. but we as a people, as community, we create this terminology, these labels to express our own realities, and we should not let them create our realities. This terminology. So I think that's something else that it's really important to think about how terminology is creating a space for me, for us to express who we are. Right, and how far can we go? It's like how far are we willing to go? But part of these conversations, it is painful. It is, uh, right, because we're speaking about people's lives, people's identities. And I think that's that piece. And, you know, Lisa, I really appreciated your, 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 
transparency, your honesty on how you feel, because we need these conversations to happen more without feeling fear and afraid of saying who we are. But also we need to respect and understand how other people self-identify. Definitely. A hundred percent. So thank you, Dr. Cristobal Salinas. I um, just greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate um, man, I, I've this learned flew by. this hour flew by. You're not kidding. We could spend 24 hours doing this for real, for real. I've, I've learned so much. And, and I think, um, you know, one of the things really, uh, Lissette and I offered some professional development earlier this year on language. And, and I think you've spoken to just the complexity of language, but also the, the fluidity of language. It is consistently changing and adapting and evolving to fit us right um um and and the time in which we are living um so again thank you so much continue to 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 do this phenomenal work we will continue to to look for your ted talks and your articles um it is our tradition here at black brown and bilingue to um ask our guest to share with the listeners one thing, what's the one thing you would want them to walk away with today um, as they uh, have made it this far in listening to our podcast? Oh, my gosh, that's such a big, a big, a big uh, question to do, right? So, well, one, I, I mean, there's, there, I can, I have so many, so many things. And, and as we engage in this conversation, you know, I think about knowledge is often changing. And as, as knowledge changes, we're changing with knowledge. But part of my work, you know, I am, I, one of the things I want to clarify, I am not that Latinx police. Huh. Uh, I get a lot of calls I have from news, from uh, academics, from different people. How do we use the term Latinx? What is the term Latinx, right? And I think use it however you want, not however you want, use it to be inclusive, but provide a definition because a lot of people don't know what it means, right? Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is that part of this conversation, so my work, uh, it is, it is about uh, complicating ideas and really finding answers, right? So I encourage all of us to be, un- be okay with being uncomfortable and really asking and thinking about what is our privilege and why do we feel uncomfortable? But also for non-Latinos, Latina, Latinx people that use this terminology, I encourage all of you to start thinking about what stereotypes, understandings do you, or, or do you have about this community, right? And why, and what, why do you have those stereotypes and why are you using this terminology? Um, the other thing I uh, tell people is the, uh, always is better to ask than to make assumptions. So it's better to ask, how do you self-identify in your gender? And people have said about, it's obvious to say, well, you're making assumptions and that's normal for humans to make assumptions, right? We know, but it's better to ask them to make, make assumptions, right? And, and to conclude, I think about how Latin, Latin surfix results as a USA based set of identifiers, which requires the particular set of social political context, relationship and a specification of gender to emerge. The term Latino and, um, Sequentially, all iterations like Latina, Latine, Latinx, Latin asterisks are and will become more accepted internationally 
due to the United States imperialism and neoliberal driven globalization. So the way to conclude this and to, and to think about this, do I think about a term Hispanic denotes the past, Latino encaps- encapsulates the present, Latin asterisk, no, Latinx indicates the need of, of inclusivity and change among language, and Latin asterisk challenges assumptions and opens up possibilities for the future. Incredibly well said. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on Black, Brown, and Bilingual. We have learned so much. I'm Lisette Jacobson. And I'm Maurice McDavid. Muchas gracias for tuning in. Adios.